Welcome to Abide in Liberty, a podcast empowering patriots everywhere to re-enthrone faith, family, and freedom as the bedrock pillars of liberty in education, our communities, and our nation. Hello, friends, and welcome back for another episode of Abide in Liberty. If uh, if you've gotten anything out of this podcast, uh, would you do me a favor and rate and review the podcast on your podcast app? Um, I've also got a YouTube channel where I put videos of these podcasts as well as the audio up, and um, you know that's been gaining a little bit of traction. But if you have a free moment, head over to YouTube, look up Abide in Liberty, and give that channel a like, a subscribe, turn on the notification bells, go in and comment if you have anything that you'd like to say. Um, I'd really appreciate that. You know, I, I feel strongly that the message that we share is important, uh, especially where things are so politicized. Um, we really run the risk of staking our flag in a political camp as opposed to staking our flag with, uh, with God, with eternal principles, with, with the truth. So if, uh, Anyways, you're you're taking that extra couple minutes. I know everybody's lives are busy, but if you do that for me, that would be fantastic. You know, I, I just finished a four-part series on the macro economy, on the Fed, on the banking system, and I recorded all four of those a little over a month ago, all in one go. And there's been a lot that has happened in those uh, past few weeks. You know, one of the the biggest ones is... Uh, the fact that um, nations, major nations like China and Brazil and Saudi Arabia are making real headway in ditching the United States dollar. So when we were talking before about all of the inflationary pressure that we're facing, um, for all the reasons that we've talked about, that didn't even, we, we didn't even mention what happens if um, if all these countries ditch the United States dollar. So for those who aren't aware, for decades, the only way that you that any country in the world could buy oil was by using the United States dollar. So all industrial nations have this reserve of United States dollars, of, of the U.S. dollar that they're holding in their coffers so that when it's time to go, you know, go oil shopping, They've got it ready to go. Now, if China and Brazil and others decide, and and if Saudi Arabia, the major oil producers, decide that they'll accept currency other than the the U.S. dollar, which is happening, this isn't theoretical anymore. It's always kind of been a, ooh, that would be really bad if that happened. Well, it's it's happening. And they are actively taking those steps. There are agreements in place, and um, the that effort is gaining legs and gaining steam. Now, if that happens, we already have too many dollars chasing too few goods, which is causing and resulting in some pretty uncomfortable inflation. But it's nothing like we'll see if all of a sudden, all of these countries that are holding reserves, and these guys hold a lot in in US dollar reserves. This is not a small sum that we're talking about. If they all dump the dollar, they all decide they want to sell the U.S. dollar. What happens when now there's a ton more dollars floating around chasing too few goods? I mean, we're we're talking about hyperinflation, the likes of which um, we we can't even comprehend. I mean, this is the stuff of the 
Weimar Republic before Hitler came to power, where someone would, you know, be wheeling around, uh, wheeling around a wheelbarrow full of cash, go into a store and come out to find the wheelbarrow missing and the cash piled on the sidewalk. Um, I mean, this is Venezuela. This is this is bad, bad news. So the other thing, you know, I'd talked about previously that the time was coming quickly when our we wouldn't be able to discern reality with our five senses. Um, there's a story that came out of a lady who uh, was called by supposed kidnappers of her daughter. And these kidnappers supposedly put her daughter on the phone and it was her daughter crying and sobbing. And please, mom, I messed up. They've got me. I, I'm scared. I mean, just this heartbreaking thing. Well, come to find out that it was completely faked. Um, that was an AI-generated uh, recording. Her daughter was fine. Her daughter was with her dad out of town at a sports thing. Um, but this was a scam trying to get her to wire money in exchange for her daughter's life. And she was. it was so convincing that when she finally spoke to her real daughter with her dad, she had a hard time accepting that that was real because she was so sure that the kidnappers had her daughter. Um, Sony also, apparently, I didn't know this, but apparently they do a regular uh, photography contest where photographers will submit their best work and then it gets voted on and there's a special prize for the first place winner. And being Sony, I mean, these guys make cameras. They kind of know their stuff. They obviously have to go through um, and make sure that these photographs are legitimate, that these aren't doctored or made up. Well, um, the winner of this year's competition came back and had to recant because uh, he didn't take that picture. That picture was 100% generated by AI. It looked so real, looked so good that it even fooled the Sony expert. So we're, that day is here. That time is now. Um, so watch out. You know, when you, when uh, this is the kind of thing we've been talking about, you've got to be so spiritually in tune that when those calls happen and your ears are telling you that that's your daughter, you've got to be so in tune with God that his spirit can tell you what's true and what isn't. And fortunately, this, this mom had the wherewithal to kind of not listen to them and to call the police. And the police told her that, yeah, this is kind of a common thing now. This is, we're seeing this a lot. I mean, this, this is nuts, you guys. We got to be connected with the source of truth. Otherwise, we will be deceived. We absolutely will. We will be incapable of discerning truth from error on our own. All right, so let's get on to this week's topic. This week, I wanted to talk about mediocrity. What I'm observing and what I'm seeing as I look at uh, the state of our education and the uh, the performance in, in aggregate of our students in this country as compared to other nations around the world is that we we kind of have this hyper-focus in this country and have had for some time of pursuing excellence in science, pursuing excellence in athletics, but settling for spiritual and intellectual mediocrity. You know, there's a story told um, of the British cycling team who years ago was really nothing uh, to really be impressed by. This was a professional cycling team. So the the bikers on here are good, right? They're way better than, you know, the average person, than you and I, but they were kind of mired in mediocrity. They didn't win a whole lot. Um, really was just nothing impressive about this team. And the reason for that was they were kind of stuck doing the same thing and getting the same results. Well, 
they had a coach come in that was focused on incremental gains, right? Not accepting the status quo, but also not trying to make quantum leaps all at once, but to make small minor adjustments, get used to those, and then make others to improve results. And this process took them from, you know, kind of nothing of note to the be- arguably the best cycling team in the world. And they've been able to hold that position, um, hold a very respected position in cycling for a long time. And I see a lot of us, I see a lot of me, I see a lot of our country in where they were originally, kind of being stuck in mediocrity, at least intellectually and spiritually. And when I think about that, the scripture that comes to mind is, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Um, the woe to those that say all is well in Zion, right? That kind of have this sense of apathy that everything's okay, that you know we don't really need to worry. Things are good. Um, but the thing about spiritual strength is it uh, parallels physical strength in a lot of ways. Our bodies need strain and to be placed under stress in order to get stronger. Well, our spirits need the exact same thing. We have spiritual muscles that need regular strain in order to stay strong and to grow stronger. You know, spiritual muscles need to be sore and uncomfortable. They need they need to be stiff sometimes and we need to push them to fatigue sometimes. You know, if not, if if we're not experiencing some spiritual fatigue, if we're not spiritually sore sometimes when we wake up or I guess for me most of the time is when I go to bed at night. Um, then we're mired in mediocrity too. Gordon B. Hinckley gave a talk where he talked about how many of us are living beneath our privilege. And, you know, we simply cannot get from where we are now to being like a Moses or like a Sarah without that spiritual strain. Um, Now, you might think when you hear me say that, like, I can never be like a Moses or like a Sarah my response to you would be, why in the world not? Why would you why would you limit yourself like that? God has saved his absolute best, strongest spirits for these last days. That's us. And that's our kids. And that's someday our grandkids, or perhaps those of us already have grandkids now. He has sent to this earth an entire army of Moseses, of Sarah's, of Esther's, of Abraham's, and of Daniel's. Now, it's true, just like that British cycling team, we're not going to leap from where we are to Moses' stature overnight. I mean, heck, Moses didn't leap from where he was when he was a baby to Moses' stature overnight. That was, you know, he was an old dude by the time he was actually called. But we can get there with this constant strain and incremental gains, if we are constantly being stretched, constantly being pushed, we can't help but achieve that kind of spiritual stature. Now, we may never get to a Christ-level stature, and we definitely won't, right? We're not going to be perfect in this life, but we can model and become like the ancient greats, that that old M, uh, MVP team that is achievable. But unfortunately, we live in a society that is saturated, that is just dripping in distractions, and in entertainment that just lulls us into carnal security, into a desire to, to experience ease, um, you know, the highest achievement. And our ultimate goal in this society is college, career, then 401k and retirement. And yes, I'll serve a mission for my church perhaps, but 
you know, we're, we're looking forward to this time when we can stop working, when we can take our feet off the gas a little bit. Um, you know, and in the meantime, so long as I have a little bit of time for some sports and maybe some Netflix and, you know, then life is good. I'll spend some time, you know, serving a little bit in my church, but just so long as it doesn't deprive me of my precious leisure and entertainment time. That that's that's what we fixate on. That's what we are working towards. Now we might keep, you know, the political realm, we might keep on top of some political and geopolitical things. Um, we might shake our fists at the heavens and uh bemoan the wicked state of things. But Oh, heck no, I'm not going to step into the political arena myself. I'm not going to actually do anything about it. I'll whine and cry about it. I might tweet, you know, some pithy little remark on social media that makes me feel like I've done something good in the world, but that's about where we stop. And if we, as adults, um, are finding it difficult to yank ourselves out of our comfort, what about our kids? You know, I grew up in an era where video games was a thing, and I found it hard to pull myself away from that. Um, but our kids have just grown up surrounded by it, immersed in it. So going back to um, kind of the things that we do demand excellence in, because, you know, this culture does not accept mediocrity and everything. Um, we go out of our way in this culture to demand that our kids are involved in the best sports, the best dance programs, the best gymnastics. You know, we might, we might put up with a crappy school because they've got a great sports team. We might sacrifice academics. You know, maybe as a parent, you feel like you could provide a better education for your kids, but man, you don't want them to miss out on that experience of having lockers. You don't want them to miss out on the high school experience, but what is the high school experience anyways? It's not what you what it was when you and I were growing up. I mean, it wasn't great then either. <laughs> there are a lot of problems even then, they just weren't as well known. Um, but what is that high school experience today? X-rated material in the bathrooms? Shoot, litter boxes in the bathroom? Being offered drugs? Uh, being encouraged to question whether they are the right gender being taught that there are more than two genders? When uh, common sense and basic <laughs> observation since the dawn of time says otherwise? I mean, this is a basic fundamental of reality that our kids are being taught to question. I mean, is that really what we're going to sacrifice their their education for, for football, for homecoming dances? If a person gains more knowledge and intelligence in this life through his diligence and obedience, he will have so much the advantage in the world to come. Our, what we learn and the knowledge that we gain, and the relationships that we have, those are really the only things we take with us into the next life. And the more we can accomplish here, we are that much better off in the next world. You know, we have seen, but, you know, we've we've been willing to sacrifice that for sports, for extracurriculars, for entertainment, for ease and comfort. You know, we've seen incredible that during the same period that we've uh, spiritually atrophied, we've seen incredible progress in sports. I mean, just the fact that uh, people are commonly running a sub four minute mile these days, that was something that decades ago was thought impossible that you would die if you attempted to do that. The human body wasn't capable of it. Well, we blew that record a long time ago. 
And during that same time period, though, we've gone from um, really pretty intelligent children to now even college students can't pass what 100 years ago was a standard aptitude test for eighth graders. We have hours dedicated each day to screens or extracurriculars. But when was the last time that we or our kids read the Bible? Have they or we ever? How many have read the Constitution? Are they getting the same and are we getting the same amount of time on our spiritual development as we are learning about how to put a ball in a small basket 10 feet off the ground? Now, I'm not, (laughs) you may not believe this, but I'm actually not anti-sports. I love personally playing sports. My favorite is basketball. Um, I love shooting sports. I love, love, love rock climbing. I'm simply talking about how if we measure our gods by where we spend our time and how much time we spend there, who or what is our God? Which God are you and our kids worshiping with our time? You know, yes, I know, but sport, uh, sports teaches teamwork and resilience. Well, guess what? You can learn all those things in other ways. And that doesn't mean, again, that it should, you should never play sports. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, where are our priorities? We cannot be saved in ignorance, but you can be saved without ever having played a soccer game or ever being enrolled in karate. You will not survive, and we will not survive the turmoil of the last days without a rock-solid testimony in Christ. But you can survive really pretty easily without a single trophy. Our priorities are way out of whack. We want excellence in all the wrong things, and we're willing to settle for mediocrity in all the things that are of eternal significance. And our kids' ability to become the leaders that this world desperately need is completely being hampered. Our Moseses are being lulled to sleep. Our lives are consumed with the empty and the spiritual and intellectual junk food. We have a real spiritual obesity epidemic in this country. It's turning us soft. And if we don't do something about it, we're not going to be ready for what's coming. You know, I think sometimes it's human nature to want to blend in, to want to fit in, to want to be like everybody else. Um, We don't want to call attention to ourselves. We kind of want to just melt in, but we, we weren't sent here to this earth to melt into the ooze and the filth of the demonic culture that's taken over. We have to rise up. And thank you to those who are. But others, like me, can probably do better. Um, Revelation chapter 3, verse 16 says, So then because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And then 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are meant to stand out like stars against a dark sky, and that sky is getting darker each day. We're not meant to ride in the middle of the pack. We're meant for great greatness and courageous leadership. So just to wrap up, if you aren't being stretched, you're probably doing something wrong. Uh, but 
there's a difference between spiritual stretching and growth and exhaustion. You know, physical exercise, if it's done properly, is exhilarating. Yes, you might get a little bit sore. Yes, you might be a little tired, but it's energizing. It releases endorphins and it leaves us feeling right with the world and like we can accomplish anything. But when we overexert ourselves while not nourishing ourselves properly, then that exertion can make us sick. Um, and feel just run down and exhausted. And it's the same thing spiritually. When we're doing it right, when we're doing what God wants us to spend our time from or spend our time on, it's absolutely exhilarating. You know, running the school the past several years has had my wife and I busier than we ever imagined we could be and more exhausted when our head's at the pillow at night than we ever could be. But it is when we are in tune with God, when we're checking with Him, when we're taking our marching orders from Him, it is a fun, good exhaustion. It is a satisfying exhaustion. But at the times when we're not aligned with Him, then that's when we feel stretched thin. That's when we feel run down. That's when we feel like we can't possibly go another step. And because it's just become busyness for its own sake, and it's sickening. If you feel like you're spinning your wheels you know, like a hamster running in a wheel and you find yourself getting exhausted and you feel like you're getting nowhere, you may have your priorities out of alignment and you may be spending your time on the wrong things. Go figure out what God wants you to do and then do it. It's hard. You'll be sore. You might even be pushed to the point where you think you're going to spiritually puke, but embrace it. It's what we desperately need, not only to survive the difficult days ahead, but it's what we need to find joy, peace, and hope while doing it. Thank you for listening to Abide in Liberty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes and share this with friends and family. In the meantime, keep up with the show online at abideinliberty.com. Also, if you'd like to help our K-12 bless and educate more families, contact us by visiting libertyyouthacademy.org. Until next time, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, and be strong.